Well, hello, hockey fans. Welcome back once again to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 31. And uh, Mark, I'm not even I'm going to introduce you in a, properly in a second, but Mark, um, we have to start today on a mournful tone. Serious, serious. Go on. The box broke. Oh, no. Oh, no. For anyone that doesn't know, this is our Bees Radio Network equipment box. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. You've nursed it all through a whole season. And then while it sat at home resting for the closed season, disaster has occurred. I unfortunately today was moving around my home office because obviously due to the new world. And uh, I I picked up the box and then there was this almighty tear. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Pieces just fell out left, right and centre. So uh, sad and mournful day that the the box that carried all the Bees Radio Network uh, equipment so wonderfully throughout the year, sadly, has passed. Yes. If anyone would like to uh, help, of course, by donating a box, please tweet (laughs) at Bees Ice Hockey. Uh, with your box donations for next season's Bees Radio <laughs> Network, it's such a bad, such a bad start to the podcast. Um, Mark Denham, thank Things you very can much. Only get all... better it can, there, it can only get better, as they once said. Mark, how are you? More importantly, I'm all right, Graham. How are you? I t- actually, when I say I'm all right, I'm bored as anything, but I know everyone will be as well. So we won't dwell on that. I'm okay. I'm healthy. That's the important thing. That's why we're here on the Bees Radio Network podcast to try and bring you a little bit of light entertainment. Hopefully not a two-hour opus like we had last week. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our season wrap, do dive into that one. Definitely well worth a listen to. Maybe break it up. We did it team by team. So maybe save a little bit for each day um, to to get us through this. But obviously, thank you so much to the hundreds of you who are downloading the podcast, I looked, uh, it's all, it's that horrible moment. Like they always say, never Google your name, never ever Google your name and try and see where you are on Google. Um, I did a little bit of a trawling around the, uh, the, the podcast sites. Um, Spotify, we're about sixth in ice hockey podcasts on uh, Apple podcasts. We're about seventh or eighth. Um, I believe we're ahead of Don Cherry. How's that possible? We're ahead of Don Cherry's podcast. Because we don't have garish suits. Uh, well, I, I, I do have some in my closet. I just decide not to wear them when I'm doing the podcast or at the rink. So, um, but yes, thank you very much to each and every one of you who has uh, downloaded and subscribed to the show and left reviews for us across all those different places as I desperately flick in my notebook to the page where it's got all the information. So if those of you joining us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, TuneIn and Alexa, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castro, Castbox, Podchaser, we really do appreciate all of your support. Do subscribe to the show. Do leave a review. Do follow us. Do add to your playlist. It just helps with all our algorithms and will keep us riding high in the charts. Not off. Not off, indeed. Couldn't really uh, think of anything else to say. No, no, was, was, riding was, high in the charts. Not off, pop pickers. There's a good way to go. Um, and obviously, Actually, not pop pickers, but pod pickers. Pod pickers. There we yeah. go. Oh, we should restart this now. Yeah, we we? Should, well, I mean, there's many who would have said that. Pod <laughs> there's many who would have said that after the opening ten seconds with that box nonsense that was spoken <laughs> about there. Um, more that imp- could be the highlight this week. It could be. Um, more importantly, obviously, uh, lots of news coming out from the TSI World Bracknell Bees. It might be what we're now having to call the off season, uh, but it certainly has been very busy for each and every one of us. Let's try and roll through some of them. Uh, 
So yesterday saw the season ticket voucher announcement and we said that the club had been working hard on the solution because obviously with the loss of that final game of the season, fans were down one game on their season ticket. So the idea of a voucher to the value of the ticket, we feel is the best solution that can be used across anything to the, the club sells. Also, if you want to go in the club shop, maybe take some money off your jersey next season, for example, or maybe want to get some merchandise or, or whatever, or maybe want to bring a friend along to a game one time, you can utilize that ticket towards all of those sort of things. Uh, once again, we said it last week, we'll say it again now, lots of fans are turning around and going, don't worry about the voucher for me, just put the money back into the club, don't worry about it, I, we're fine, we can cope. Look, we really appreciate your comments. We re- re- It's really kind of those of you who are saying that, and the voucher thing is, it, it, it's, it's an option. Um, if you don't want to take up on the voucher, you don't have to take up on the voucher, but there would be some of the fan base who we feel it's only fair that we offer something back rather than going well, you know what, we're just going to take your money and run to the hills. That's not how this club works. What we do is we be fair and we be equal and be honest. This is the fairest way we could come up with it. If you want to take advantage of the voucher and use it next season, please do so. But if you don't, you'd rather just see your money as being donated to the club. We also really do appreciate that as well. Yeah, you're entirely right, Graham. I think the the response to the season ticket offer that we've put out is nothing but positive. And it just goes to show what a fantastic loyal fan base we do have in Bracknell. So to all of you who said, no, I don't want your voucher donated to the club. Thank you very much. Heartfelt thanks from all of us, because do you know what? We realize that you are a game short. It's it's not in the end. It was taken out of our control. There was nothing we could do about it. But even so, you are left a game short. And we thought the fairest thing to do was to put together an offer that you could use if you chose to. And so far, everybody on social media is saying, I don't want it. I want that money to go to the club. Fantastic gesture from all of you. Thank you very much. But from our point of view as a club, we uh, we worked with the rink in the, uh, the week leading up to the Bison games that didn't happen to arrange the refunds for the walk-up ticket holders who'd pre-purchased theirs. And... As you rightly said, everybody who comes to a bees game matters to us. So there was absolutely no way we were going to leave anybody out. The offer is there. It's on the table. If you want it, it's yours. If you don't want it, thank you very much. Completely. And uh, there was not just that on the bees website this week. Obviously, uh, thanks to our great partnership with TSI World. Uh, the school's brochures came out. I know Andy has been working extremely hard on these alongside a variety of other people as well, but mainly Andy as he's bounced around ideas for this and looking at the reaction to the top Trump's cards and all sorts of different challenges I saw going on. They went down really well. And yeah, I believe the aim is we're going to have one of these coming out each week to do. So there's going to be something to keep everybody entertained, young and old. I did see, you know, not just the kids getting involved with the uh, activities that were available in the booklet. So yeah, really cool thing. And look, I I was sat there at my workplace and I was sending it around people at work going, hey, look, I know you guys, you've got young kids. Do you want this to keep them entertained? And there were two guys who all of a sudden, they obviously know that I do work with the bees, but they were like, oh, this is great. This will keep my kid entertained for a little bit of time. And all of a sudden they're learning about all the players and they were using it as a little bit of internet research to find out about player squad numbers and all sorts. So really went down well with everyone. And it's great to see a good reaction. So full credit to... TSI World and the guys there, because it really is a, a fantastic 
little bit of uh, uh, a little bit of work that's going to give everybody a little bit of joy over the coming months and weeks. It's weird, isn't it, for the youngsters? Um, certainly for for you and I and all the adults, we can fully understand what is going on. And when I say fully understand, as fully understand as we can, because this is something that I don't think anybody that's alive has lived through before. Uh, Richard from Beast TV, his grandmother celebrates her 100th birthday next year. And Richard said to me, he said, I've spoken to my grandma and she said, this is nothing at all like the war. People have said we're at war. She said, there's nothing at all like the war. It's much more serious and it's much more intense. For us as adults, we can understand the reasoning that we are having to take the action that we are, that people are working from home, that you can only go out for your absolute essentials, that you can have your one exercise thing a day. We understand all that. But for the younger fans that we have and for the families with young children as well and for our community, for them, and I'm not saying this in an insulting way at all, but for them at the age of maybe four, five, six, seven, how do you really comprehend what's going on? One, one day you're at school and the next day, right, school shut. One day you're allowed to go out and play, the next day, stay in the house. For them, this is all a massive, massive upheaval. So I think it's, you know, I'm just pleased that we've been able to play our part. I know all of the schools are putting together work packs, obviously, for children who cannot go to school, so they still have stuff to do. But I think this is, it's work, but it's fun. So hopefully this, combined with the schoolwork, will just keep everyone smiling while they're learning as well. Because, you know, like the stuff we put out is uh, it's very good. Well done to everyone from TSI that's worked on it. Top work. It's very good. It's a bit of fun. And hopefully it'll help alleviate some of the, the boredom, some of the stress and all that, whilst we cannot go about our normal daily lives. And it's not just uh, for the kids we're trying to put together things. Obviously, last Sunday saw our very first watch party where the... We rolled back the clock back to 1994 with a young Mitch Dead on commentary, which was, uh, I knew that was, I kept that in the back pocket. I knew that was coming out, but uh, an old Beasley Steelers game. And when the uh, Steelers went 3-0 up, there were people going, I can't remember how this one ends, but I hope the Bees haven't chosen uh, an opening game to see the uh, Bees with yeah. defeat, but no, roared back with a late victory. And this weekend, there is another one. Once again, half five, live from the hive. We're rolling the clock slightly forward to last time, 1997, as the Bees take on the Air Scottish Eagles. There's an old name, the Air Scottish Eagles. Um, Dave Spolton, no doubt, excited that we've remembered his team from his youth. But yeah, one to look forward to there. Always great affairs from the 1997-1998 season. They're rolling the clock forward into the Super League. Uh, I'll definitely be on there. I'll be watching out for that one as well because, um, yeah, um, that's the era when I first fell in love with the sport is around the Super League. So a chance to relive that era in my mind that just seems so far away right now, um, definitely worth doing. Do you know what? The other thing is, and we've said this before on the podcast, it showed, didn't it, how absolutely massively the game has changed. I mean, I know we're going back a long way there. We're going back, what, 23 years there. And there's been lots and lots of changes in the uh, in the game. Uh, but yeah, the game has changed a lot, hasn't it, since 1994-95. And shout out Ken Taggart as well. There he was in action. Um, no helmet, perfectly quaffled hair. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was like, wonderful. When referees, when referees didn't have to wear helmets, Ken was one who didn't. But you never saw Ken with a hair out of place, did no. you? No. 
Even at the end of the game, 60 minutes have passed, the players are dripping in sweat, and Ken would be there with his perfect hairstyle, just waiting for the handshakes. It was amazing, wasn't it? Oh, Ken back in action. And also a very young Lee Young on the line as well. Like, it was... Look, it's let's... great to see Lee still going as well, what isn't is it? That... Like, there he was, 94-95, and yet he's still involved in the sport now, because I know... None of the officials do it to get rich. They're doing it because they love the sport. So the fact that Lee was in that game in 94, 95, and we've seen him this season at the Hive as well, you know, like, good stuff, Lee. Keep it going, mate. Yeah, and do you know what? Let, let's actually just briefly talk about that because, like, on the chat group, there was a lot of chat going on about t- people trying to, who maybe had not seen the hockey before, were asking others, um, oh, how do you reckon this matches in skill? How do you reckon this matches in my opinion is is it's it's always impossible to compare eras and i i work in an industry where right now we're having to compare eras to come up with content um but you look at it and you go okay to me the sport then is slower but yeah. it's a little probably a little bit more skillful but then there's little things like how many shots did you see from outside the blue line probably you can now count on one hand the number of shots you've seen from outside the blue line in about the last four seasons, probably since Greg Rockman was in goal, was the last time people shot well, from below. Like Tony Hand was an expert, wasn't he? Shooting from behind his own blue line and scoring. <laughs> but yeah, so he, like it's very rare. But in that game, you saw it, it was really common back in those days because the British netminders at the 90s, like the Sheffield Steelers netminder, uh, Martin Mackay, he was the Great Britain netminder. He was as good as it got. You wouldn't yeah. take him as a backup in the modern era of game. Because they were effectively just it was shooting galleries on the netminders. They didn't have; they were all stand-up goalies. You never saw them in the butterfly, um, and they were just rebound merchants. But it basically stopped the puck. If you can stop the puck, but you could score mm. with a good shot from beyond the blue line, hammered into the corner because they just weren't used to it. And as a result, it's a very different game. Like no doubt, the fans walked out of the building that night absolutely delighted with what they saw. High-scoring affair. Um, plenty of drama, a late goal, little bit of argy bargy, like the works. Really great to see. But I'm still sure there are fans who were looking at that, who have only become fans of the sport maybe in the last two or three years, watching it and going, "What on earth is that? That's not ice hockey. That's some other sport that appears to be ice hockey, but it's not the ice hockey I watch, where it's maybe." a little more skillful. There's a little more coaching in the teams as well. Mm. There's a little bit more understanding. Sure, the rules have also tightened up as well, making it even harder of a sport to play. But you see better net minding. You see tighter games as a result because it's not 7-8 on the scoreboard. It's a good 2-1 game instead. It's worth saying that that final score for a game at that stage was quite a low-scoring game. Because as you say, the... The netminding has developed a lot over the last 23 years. And now you see a lot of, you know, like maybe 3-2 games. You see the occasional blowout. Back in those days, it was the 3-2 games that were rare. And I remember seeing results, like, you know, going back now on CFAX, for those that remember. uh, I remember seeing results, like when you came home on a Saturday night and you thought, yeah, I'll check out the results from around the league. And you'd see like 15-2 or 17-10, and the game was totally and utterly different back in those days, and it has changed a lot. It has changed, and I will say, and I have gone on record before on this podcast in saying that there are elements of the game that have 
disappeared that I really, really do miss. Um, but I think overall, the standard of the game now is probably better than it was then because you just have, um, I just think, as you say, you have a tighter game. It's more of a battle. The the shots have to be of better quality to beat today's netminders than you would have done back then. I mean, you can't compare eras, but it'd be interesting, say, to put Dominic Gabay against the Sheffield Steelers netminder of 94-95 uh, and just think, you know, for Dominic, he'd be scoring for fun. And that was the great bit in Netminder at the time, just because the eras are so different now. You know, Dominic has grown up in a different era and he knows exactly what he has to do to score against one of today's Netminders. You imagine, you know, we often talk about it in sports, don't we? Like in football, you'll ask whether a player from the 70s is better than a player of today. You can never put them together. And I think you can only judge in any sport, be it ice hockey, be it football, be it cricket, you can only judge people on the era that they played in. I mean, I've, I've said to a lot of people, being a big cricket fan, I've said I would love to have seen Viv Richards play T20 cricket. But obviously Viv was from a different era. And, you know, he was the master blaster of the time. He was from a different era. Comparing that 94, that 1994 game that we showed last Sunday on our watch party to today is... I just think it's like, you know, apples and oranges. It's the same game, but it's a different game. And I don't think you'll see a massive difference between the game we saw last Sunday and the game that we're going to see tomorrow. That's on the an interesting party. But what I do think you'll <clears throat> see is like, you know, when we do get slightly newer, maybe into the 2000s, I think you'll see then like the game starting to change more towards the game that we see now. I mean, I'm thinking back, I've been involved in the 90s, the noughties, the last decade, whatever it's going to be called, the 10s, the 10s, I don't know. And then obviously this decade. But well, seriously, what is it going to be called? The 10s. The 10s, all right. So I've been involved then in all those decades. And I think there's been like some distinctly different phases in the game. Like when I first got involved in the 90s, there were the big scores like the the 12-1, the 22-4, they were the big scores then and the net minding wasn't what it was now. And then you saw a stage where the net minding improved, but I think, you know, maybe the physicality also upped a little bit more as well. Um, and then you got into this stage where we're at today and gradually the Northern American imports were replaced more by the European imports, which brought the European style to the British game. I mean, that's one thing I think we have to say. The 94-95 game that we showed last week was very much the North American style of hockey of that time, as will be the one that we're showing this Sunday. Yeah, when even we more get so. Into, say, the mid, yeah, when we get into, say, the mid-2000s, maybe 2004-05 onwards, I think you'll start seeing the more European style that we're used to today, as well as, like, the increase in the standard of net mining as well. So... It'll be interesting this summer, like with the watch parties as we go through the different eras, to watch the game change. Because obviously, you and I have been around a long time and we have been in all these eras and we've seen it evolve gradually. It's like, you know, a little snapshot. This was it 23 years ago. This was it 23 years ago. This was it 15 years ago. This was it 10 years ago. And this was it two, uh, you know, like two months ago. It'll yeah. be an interesting snapshot, I think, to to go through and see how the game has changed as we continue these watch parties through the summer. And hopefully 
there'll be loads of people joining us and uh, joining in on the um, the live chat as well. Yeah, hopefully so. I, I really enjoyed it. Like it's always great. I, I I'm a I'm a hockey geek. I love to go back and watch those. So just to see the comparisons and like you move into '97, you, you like that is very much the era of all import teams, which is hard to believe. We currently have two non-EIHA trained player teams. But in the Super League era, it really was just, <laughs> you didn't, if you had a Brit on your uh-huh. team, you were very lucky. Aha, uh-huh. but one thing I will say, in fairness there, and bear in mind that Slough never ever played Super League ice hockey, which was where I was at that period in time, is that, yeah, the Super League was very much all import, but we are now comparing our very true. Uh, second tier roster yeah. of today, which is second tier. Now, even then, back in those days, you had the you had the the British division, which was eight imports back then, uh, which still is a difference to our two of today. Second tier of then eight, second tier of today two. But obviously, we're now comparing the Super League, which is the precursor to today's Elite League, which is still import dominated. And I think that is one very important thing you have to bear in mind. Like when you look at the number of imports you're going to see in Sunday's game compared to the number now. We're also talking as well about top tier versus second tier as well. Yeah, and that, and obviously the 94, 95, that was top tier as well for the B. So again, yeah. what you're watching there isn't a comparison to the what is now the Elite League. So, well, in, in some roundabout way. But no, do join us, Half Five Sunday, really worth. The links will be across all the social media channels. Um, I think that's it, really. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember anything else really going out on the B's website this week. I think we've uh, ticked off all the big ones, haven't we? Well, I don't know. Maybe something will trigger you, Graham. Trigger me. Mm, trigger you. No, we didn't, yeah. we didn't do anything to do with brooms. Yeah. Didn't do anything with brooms. Just, 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 no, try and just pull your mind, mate. Pull your mind towards this and see if you can discover the trigger. Trigger? No, we didn't. We, yeah. Dave? Nothing to do with Dave. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no, no. Oh, I remember now. Sheriff? Ah, yes. Ah. How could I forget? We completed our non-EIHA lineup for the 2020-21 NIHL national season with the re-signing of Roman Malenik. And I know it went down really well with everybody. Um, And yeah, look, (laughs) we're going to have to try and tell you about why Roman Malenik's a good player. Uh, Just watch what he does every weekend. Um, Happy to say as well, Roman's back home safely as well. So really good for him to be back with his family and all that as well. So really good. Dominic is staying over here in the country at the moment, but he's perfectly fine over here. He's all being looked after. So we're all really happy with them as both Dominic and Roman will be returning to the hive next season. And uh, I now pass you over to the president and founder of the Roman Manalik <laughs> fan club who would like to pass on his thoughts on Roman's re-signing. I, I am well chuffed with this. I, I got to say, like, do you know what? I, I do like Roman. I get on with Roman. He's a really nice guy. Forget that for a moment. Look at what Roman brings to the team. Now, I don't mean this in any way whatsoever in criticism of Robin Kovar. But before Dominic Goodbye signed, Roman Malenik carried that team and he carried the non-EIHA trained player department on his shoulders and his shoulders alone because... For some reason, Robin didn't work out for us. He went on to work out for Milton Keynes, which is good for Robin, good for Milton Keynes. But Roman was under a lot of pressure to perform early doors this season. And what you get from Roman is just you get a complete 100% all through the game. It doesn't matter if it's the first shift, 
if it's the last shift. Roman will go up front and grind away in the corner to battle a puck out. How many times have we seen Roman battle a puck out, feed it in front of the net for someone else? Selfless player as well. But not only that, I think Roman is an excellent two-way player as well because, you know, on the power play uh, and the penalty kill, Roman will uh, play at the back. But when you watch him five on five, quite often Roman is the one who will rush back to get the puck. And I think, you know, for me, I think this is a great signing. And I think when you pair him up, obviously you can't because you only have one on the ice at a time. But I mean, within the team structure, when you pair him up with Dominic Gabay, I think we are in an excellent position import-wise because Dominic's come in, and we discussed this last week in our roundup of the team. Dominic has come in and pretty much set the league on fire. He has a whole season now in the black, white, and gold of the Bracknell Bees to go ahead and really to show the league what he can do. I mean, he's fairly high up in the point scoring and he's only played two-thirds of the season. Roman Malinik has been consistent for the Basingstoke Bison under Doug Shepard, and then he's come with Doug to the Bees, and he has been that same consistent leader as well. That's another thing you get from Roman Malinik is you get a real leadership attitude from Roman, and it doesn't matter who you play him with. He will go out there and he will not only like set up his line mates as well, but he'll go out there, he'll do the hard work, and my word, have we seen some crackers from him this season as well. Yeah, and it's funny, the thing about Roman, I know, I know there's a lot of fans who love Roman for everything he does offensively. For me, it's everything he does at the back end, and it's sometimes yeah. the stuff that just will not get noticed by the majority of people. Like, um, And sure, um, like I think we can say it, Roman's numbers are maybe 10 down 15 down or maybe a someone else who's got a little bit more of a scoring streak within them i would argue at the other end of the ice roman is working hard to save 15 to 20 goals a season at the other end and that's the difference he's not someone who's just gonna plus minus must be great yeah i would love to know what that is and uh, but he is one of those players who it's it's that it's what he does in his own end to to work a turnover to take away a lane to block an angle like it, it, it when he gets in the corner it's aggressive like it, you hear other players in the leagues describe Roman as he's the one guy you don't want to come up against because he's just very physical with you and it's it's a clean physicality it's not like he sat there yeah. and he's throwing a butt end on you lad, isn't yeah. he, Roman I mean he's not tall but in terms of his build he is a big lad yeah and it, 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 I certainly wouldn't want to come up against him exactly and I mean I said to a fan the other day, and like this is no joking matter, but I did say to a fan the other day, like you know, uh, when we were discussing the the imposed lockdown which we're currently in, he said to me, he "said I don't know that people are taking it seriously." And I said, "Well, you imagine if Roman Malinik had gone on television and delivered the instruction to lock down, nobody would have left their house. <laughs> like you just don't want you don't want to cross him." And off the ice, he is you know one of the nicest guys that you can come up against off the ice, but you put him on the ice. And he is a fierce competitor, and I'm not surprised nobody really wants to come up against him because when you do, you've got a battle, whether it's for the puck or whether it's to shut him down. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is his speed. He is very, very fast. And if you are an opposition defender, you're thinking, oh, no, he's coming at me and I have to try and shut him down. Yeah, And, the, the, and he can undress defensemen. He's got that second gear. He's got, yeah. he's got the ability to come at you, and he comes at you with... A good bit of pace and it's a bit of action, but also he's got the ability to just 
flick it into overdrive, dare we say, and he can just burn you in the sh- in the space of between blue line to blue line, between blue line to red. He has just got an ability that when he really needs to turn on the pace, he's gone from you. Um, and look, he's gonna he's back home right now. I imagine he's you, look. Roman works out. He puts him his body in shape. He 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 he's strong as an ox and fitness wise is up there as well. Like he will be working hard this off season, ready to go when the new season rolls around. Touch wood in September, and that's when you know when Roman's hungry and he's fit and he's ready to go. He, it's 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 a unique beast, and as you say, teaming him up with Dominic, I look. It was an easy option to return them, but it's also the right option because, again, it's a strong, powerful duo who are going to have a great impact on the ice, going to bring the guys up around them, know the system to be played, know know all the, know the majority of their teammates who are going to be playing with them. That's going to make such a difference. Establishing that core, building the point where you've got, you're able to return Roman now for his third season in B's colours, Dominic returning as well. It just, the continuity... Is going to be all the key at the start of next season, and having continuity in this team at the key positions, I think, could put us on a good stead from the starting gun. The other thing that this does, the return of Dominic and the return of Roman, is that as Doug now continues to build his team, he knows that there are certain players now, if he wishes to return them, that will return to a comfortable, and I don't mean like they will return and just take it easy, but they will return to a comfortable position knowing last season I lined with Roman Malenik and I know where to pass to him, he knows where to pass to me. Last season I lined with Dominic Gabay and the same thing. And, you know, there, there has to be a nucleus. Now, we've only announced so far the two non-EIHA trained players. Dominic Gabay announced uh, on Christmas Day and now Roman Malenik announced earlier this week. We've only announced the two non-EIHA trained players, which I guess, you know, and this is no disrespect to the Brits, we've announced the two jewels in the crown. Um, But what that does is that now gives Doug the ability to go to the other players that he wants and say, look, you know, last season you played with Roman, last season you played with Dominic, and that's what we'll be doing again. And all of a sudden, we've spoken about this week on week through the season, that nucleus that was just coming together, hitting form just at the right time, and would have got eighth spot. Sorry, uh, Raiders fans listening. But that nucleus that was coming together then, that's given him the opportunity really to to get down the main points of his nucleus, knowing now that he can approach the other players and say, look, last season that was your role. Or if he's bringing someone else in to say, look, you know, so-and-so got on so well with Roman or uh, Dominic last season, and that will be you this season. So I think it's given him a great start to his recruitment this season, not just in the players that he's captured, but also uh, for the players that he wants to return and any players that he may want to bring in as well, because he can say, look, these two are proven and you will get to play with either of them. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm really, really happy. So that's the latest pieces of the puzzle for next season. Just looking around the rest of the league as the, as well. Uh, one confirmed returning up at the whole pirates and probably the biggest one of all Jason Hewitt returning as head coach, player head coach for the whole pirates. Um, Jason and massive point producer. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Like you, you go back and you look through Jason's career. These numbers have come out of nowhere, but you look at him as a player and some of the performances he's put on the ice against us alone. 
he clearly is the key heartbeat of that Pirates lineup and clearly puts up big points. So congratulations to Hull. Um, got some challenges up there, I know, to try and sort through, but uh, it does make me feel that that, that is a very key re-signing. Also for Peterborough Phantoms, their second two-year deal of the summer signed as well. And this is where we talked last week about the loss of James Ferrara and Robert Ferrara and maybe Slava Kulikov's got to look and start rebuilding that core and re-establishing it. Well, he's done it with two rolls of the dice. Obviously, Callum Douglas signed last week and then this week, Nathan Pollard signing a two-year deal as well. Nathan impressed in the couple of games uh, against us at times. Um, there's a lot of great talent coming through that youth development system in Peterborough and what they have at their disposal. Nathan... He's a big impact player. He's a big guy. He's a and he's really this year. I think learned to make his physicality and his size stand out a lot more on the ice. And another two years of development in Peterborough. They're really putting that core back together at the Phantoms. There is, a, I mean, there's a challenge for Nathan Pollard as well because, as you say, he's quite a big, big unit, and he is learning to play the physical game now. Now, if we've mentioned this, if you go back ten years, Nathan Pollard could have gone out there and played a real crash bang game. Can't do that now. And you have to be very, very careful. If you do happen to be blessed to be a big lad, you have to be very careful how you use it. One person that's good at that that we've already mentioned is Roman Malinik. Very good at playing a clean physical game. And you can see that Nathan is learning that now. And I think it's a great return for Slava Kulikov. Two great returns so far, this what we're now calling off-season. And you can see that Slava has... I mean, Slava's been in Peterborough now for, uh, what, six, six years? 2014, wasn't it? November 2013, in fact. So coming up seven years now that Slava has been in Peterborough. He knows his team, but not only does he know his team, he will also know what's coming through that junior program and he will be watching them as well because he does have the Ferrara slots to fill as well. He will, I would imagine, predominantly be looking, who can I promote from within to fill those big senior slots and then who can I bring in from Peterborough to actually fill the slots that I have now taken people out of to promote? It's, I mean, Peterborough have always had, haven't they, this, this good feeder system that comes through. And I think it's just probably taken someone like Slava to put all the pieces together, which he has done over the last few years. You know, people will say when they look at the table from this year, well, that was a disappointing year for the bees. Yes, it was. But no, it wasn't, because it's a year of rebuilding. It's a year of starting something that will show benefit. And when people look at the Peterborough Phantoms, their very successful season, not now last season, but the season before, the season that they've just had in the last season as well, another good season. And you can see the work that Slava did when the results didn't come rolling in for him, the work that he did in building a team has now paid off. And I think you can see that he is... Quite a good recruiter, really, when you look at the, the big names that he's capturing first that he wants to return from his team. Because obviously, as a coach, you will have an idea in your head, like this is the kind of game I want to play. That's the first thing you think of. And then you think of, right, what players can I get to play that game? What players do I keep? And what players do I bring in? And I think you can see that Slava is certainly taking care of the housekeeping first by tying up the names that he wants from last season's Team. I mean, it is a different challenge for him because after the virtually all-conquering season he had uh, the final year of the NIHL, won Britain for all of us now national teams, um, you know, he, he returned the whole team. And that was quite an easy thing to do. 
for him now, there is a challenge because there are those two big gaps to to fill. But he's certainly taking care of the the business at home first in saying, right, you have been loyal to me. You've played the role I wanted you to play. And in that, I'm now going to reward you with a two-year contract to come back and do it for two more years. So, yeah, let's see how that one ends up in Peterborough. We'll obviously keep you up to date with all the latest on any other signing news that appears from around the league as well. Pass our opinions on that as well. Uh, One last bit of news on this week's podcast, um, and it's sort of the news that you don't really want to be talking about, but obviously um, it's only fair that we talk uh, briefly about Andre Payet and uh, obviously the the messages that came out from Staffordshire Police about him being missing. Uh, I know he has been in contact with people from the British hockey community. I know that the arms have reached out to go around him. Um, and obviously we obviously wish him all the best as well as he um, battles all the the challenges that he has. Andre is uh, he's a character. There's not many of them about in the game anymore, but he's one of the, the last big characters. What he did for the Sheffield Steel Dogs in building the, uh, the born, uh, what was it? Born in Sheffield, made in Sheffield, project yeah. up there that incredible season they had back in the EPIHL where they were backstopped by Ben Bounds and really became a team that people uh, became a team that people didn't want to play against um because they became this fast and grip physical aggressive maybe too aggressive in some people's minds but at the same time had some immensely talented players like Yanis Ozelin so glad we remembered his name this week um did some great work at Hull as well um starting getting the Pirates um, away from the issues that they were as the Stingrays and, and, and building a lot of good uh, commercial work there. And look, Andre's he, he, he's he's a he's a memorable character. You always remember coming up against Andre, like nice guy. We always got time to talk to you. Um, yeah, we just I just wish him all the best. I hope that I know I saw so many people reaching out to offer support. I hope he's taking up some of the people who have come forward with those offers of support. Uh, and I hope that we will soon see Andre back up on his feet and, and back being the big character that he can be uh, around the rinks. Do you know what? Like Andre Payet is someone that I always used to love watching Slough play against. He was such a character. He was such a presence on the ice. <clears throat> and he's a big, strong man. Andre Payet was a big, strong man. And I'm betting, you know, like we said earlier, Roman Malenik, a player players didn't want to play against. If you asked anybody from Andre Payet's generation, who would you least like to play against? Andre's going to be up there at the top. And I remember asking him to do a post-game interview on Jets TV. And he was more than happy to do it. And when I sat there with him and I spoke to him, he explained an awful lot about himself, the way he played, and the way he wanted his team to play and why he wanted him to play that. And you just get an understanding that Andre Payet was not just a big, you know, like a big one-dimensional goon. Andre Payet had a lot of hockey knowledge. Andre Payet has a lot of hockey knowledge. But, I mean, this just proves, you know, like people say it's okay to not be okay. But some people will still, like, you know, look at it and they'll say, well, you know, man up. Would you really say that to Andre Payet? One of the, you know, the biggest characters, one of the toughest characters is obviously in a situation where he's struggling now. And personally, and on behalf of the the bees and the hockey community, Andre, I really hope you get things sorted out and I hope you get back on your feet because you know what? 
Although Andre's not playing anymore, he has a lot still to offer to the hockey community, an awful lot of knowledge, an awful lot of experience that he can offer to the hockey community. And I hope firstly for his own sake, he gets himself, you know, back on track and whatever issues there are, I hope he gets them sorted out and he gets himself back on track and back into a good place. But I also hope that he doesn't walk away from the sport because the sport needs characters like that to be growing and developing. And there is an awful lot that young players can learn from Andre Payet. Completely. Just to echo it, we hope he picks him, uh, lands back up on his feet very soon. Andre does. Right then. Um, we said it was going to be a very short... Things fall down in the office around me. Um, we said it was going to be a very short podcast this week. That's because we're... W- Hopefully not on the box. Hope not on the box. The box gone. That'll be the end of that. Box is long gone. Is it beyond gaffer tape? It is now. It's just now? gone. It's gone. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Torn to shreds. Um, yeah. So, um, just very quickly, uh, we're working on a little bit of a feature because having done our season wrap, it's only fair that we begin to don the tuxedos, walk the red carpet, and come up with our... What we're deeming all-star team of the season um, between the pair of us uh, and separately as well. But what we also want to do is we want to put a few caveats on it because we want to make it a little bit more understandable how we're coming to some of our conclusions. And we also want to hear from each of our listeners as well. More importantly, we want you to tweet us at Bees Ice Hockey with who your all-star team is so long as it meets the following criteria. Point one. It cannot be a bees player. It is only opposition players because otherwise we would end up all with six bees players in our all-star rosters. Um, it's only to be fair to the the players. At the end of the day, we don't want to sing. We don't want to highlight players. Don't want to single out players, etc. So it's only opposition players, and also it can only be judged on their performances against us or performances you have seen with your own eyes against us. Now, the reason I say that is because it does throw some additional uh, conundrums in there because there are certain players who you might deem as an all-star and who the Ice Hockey Writers Association might also deem as all-stars who maybe not have had the best games against us. So it is players who have played against us this season that you see with your eyes. We want to know who your netminder, two D-men, three forwards, and you're only allowed one import on the ice as well. We're going to follow the rules with the all-star guide for this one. So... Let us know what you think at Bees Ice Hockey. Um, it's certainly going to be a fascinating one. I can't wait to see what. I mean, I've gotten, I've got a, a long list at the moment, and I'm beginning to roll back through it, cut by cut by cut, as I try and make out my final six-man roster. And I tell you what, it's giving me a headache. I'm just thinking. Okay, as you said, we're going to follow the rules. Does this mean that if we disagree with anybody's team, they'll get a four-game suspension? I've <laughs> <laughs> just no. No, seriously, there's no agreeing, there's no disagreeing, there's no right, there's no wrong. It is, uh, it's a matter of opinion. Uh, and as Graham has outlined, they must not be a Bees player because then when that would just skew, I would imagine, everybody's view. And it has to be someone that has uh, played against us. So somebody that you have seen and you can judge on their performances in their appearances against the Bees this season. So... um. You know, there's no right, there's no wrong. Get thinking. Tweet at Bees Ice Hockey with them, uh, and then we're more than happy to uh, to share yours on the podcast when we do this next time around. So have a little think. Uh, don't take too long over it, otherwise we'll have done our podcast and you'll have missed it. But have a little think, though, 
uh, and get in touch with us maybe over the weekend, early part of next week at Bees Eye Socky. Or indeed, uh, if you are on our Facebook page as well, you can go there, which is also Bees Eye Socky, and just uh, stick it on our wall as well. Uh, and then we will debate these or discuss them at least next week when we uh, look at our own all-star team. And then I guess, like, what are we doing, Graham? Are we doing one each and then, like, trying to narrow it down into a combined? No, I think we do, we'll have two separate teams. I think it's completely, okay. completely fair. And we'll do... Does that mean they'll get to play against each they, other? Well, we, can, we can create them into some mythical world where they'll play against each other, Ben. We could have a virtual game. It could be held in Manchester. <laughs> I knew you were going. The minute you said the word virtual, I knew exactly where you were going and I knew exactly what dig was coming out of the arsenal on that one. And I I was just waiting for it with joy in my heart, just waiting for yes. it to appear. Um, oh, the old ones are the best ones. Uh, but yes, so yeah, looking forward to that next week, the all-star selection process, non-Bs players, players who've played against us, judged on their performance against us, and you can only have one import on the ice as well. Um, because at the end of the day, we are a British focus league and it's important that we focus on the British players rather than going, the best six players in the league were imports, fingers up at you. Um, yeah. it's, it's only fair that we do it this way. And I'm, yeah, I say my long list, when I sat there and I yeah, it, it, certainly thinking of it in terms of performances against us was a great little bit of criteria because as I say, there have been some players who've put up amazing performances and amazing points in the league this season We've been very effective at shutting down, which is what makes it very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, you see, I mean, a lot of people, like the Ice Hockey Writers Association, don't have that criteria when they think either. They are just thinking of the, the best netminder, the two best defensemen and the three best forwards. That's all they're thinking of. We have made it that little bit trickier in that these are the netminder, two defensemen, three forwards that you think have played best against the Bees. So we have made it that little bit trickier for you because obviously a lot of people have got a lot of time on their hands. So now you can fill some of that time thinking of your versus B's All-Stars team. From this season, just be very clear. I don't want to see yes. I don't want to see uh, Tremblay come into this one at any point in the discussion. <laughs> I don't want to see that. It's fine. Anyway, as you say, tweet it in, Facebook it in. So uh, that about wraps, unless you've got anything else, Mark, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. That That's probably us done for this week. I mean, it's disappointingly short, really, isn't it? Now we're going to have a very, have to have a very, very long closing. Theme. Oh, no, we'll have a long podcast next week. Don't worry. We've all discussion. Also, yeah. this is a unique uh, beast for the Bees Radio Network podcast, because today the podcast is being published on a Saturday. That means we have completed the seven days of the week for the Bees Radio Network podcast yeah. as well. We have. Well, I mean, Maybe we need Craig David now. To close uh, do you show. know what? Uh, it, it, maybe we put Craig David on. We listen to the podcast on Monday, then again on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Or as it's also known, a Steve Merry week, I feel, is the uh, best way of describing it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, Mark. How- Steve will be out counting that, though, won't he, on his mentions yeah, he this w- season? Hello, Steve. There's two more to add to he's, the yeah, He's got his tally chart. He's got, he's got the notches on the bedpost, but that's a different story. Uh, anyway, <laughs> right. Uh, keep it clean. Family friendly. Mark, how can fans stay up to date with all the latest from the TSI World Bracknell Bees? You will find the news as it happens on BracknellBees.com. If you want to connect up with us on social media, you can do so on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. The first two, Facebook and Twitter, are Bees Ice Hockey, and Instagram is The Bracknell Bees. Marvellous stuff. Right then, get your thinking cap on. We've got some all-stars to pick next week, Mark. We have. We have. Do you know what? I didn't know whether you were going to throw to me then. I was throwing to you. Yeah. I know that now. I did speak. 
I did speak. No, we have, haven't we? Like, I'm, do you know what? I'm looking forward to this and I'm not because it's always difficult, isn't it? Because you think, oh, yeah, him, 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 him. Then you end up with like nine forwards and 4D and two net minders thinking, oh, right, now somebody has to disappear from each section at least here. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also thinking it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the amount of abuse we'll probably receive on Twitter for our choices. Anyway, uh, all good fun as ever. Most importantly of all fans, uh, we'll say this on every press release. We'll say this in everything we do at the moment. Please be safe. Please be aware and please be cautious right now. Look out for one another. Um, this is why we're trying to do so much at the TSI World Bratnell Bees at the moment, really reaching out into our community. We're week one of lockdown nearly done. Um, we hopefully we'll be out the other side of it. And before too long, it will be September and we'll all be back at the hive cheering on the boys in the white, black and gold. Mark, until... Can I jump oh, in? Oh, here he comes. Can I jump here in he comes. Right, I just want to say something, all right? We have kept this very, very lighthearted, but there's just something I want to say. And that is... There are still idiots who are ignoring the lockdown. The longer you ignore the lockdown, firstly, the longer it lasts. Secondly, the more people you put at risk from coronavirus. So please, as Graham has said, look after not just yourself, but look after everyone. We, as a, as a connection, a collection of hockey teams up and down the country, we are a community. The hockey community always looks after itself. Now is the time for the greater community, i.e. Great Britain, to look after itself because there is a lockdown in place. And my word, is it boring? But it's there for a reason. It is there to try our very hardest to keep everybody safe, to keep the numbers down to such a point where the NHS can treat the people who need treatment. Please, I don't really care. If you want to go to the beach, I don't really care. If you want to go to the park, you know, like... I don't really care. Stay at home, please, because, you know, we all want to get through this and we all want to be back at the Hive in September. So please, I know it's like no fun at all. Follow the government instructions. And that ends my party political broadcast. <laughs> Is that the party political uh, the party political broadcast for the Roman Malonic fan base? Hashtag please stay at home party. <laughs> Well, if we got the sheriff to deliver the message, nobody would have left home. Oh, exactly. Very good point indeed. Mark, until next week, take care of yourself, buddy. Thank you, Graham. It's always a pleasure. It is mate. indeed a pleasure. And to all of you, our great listeners, thank you very much for your continued support. And until network, oh, until next week, I nearly <laughs> oh, got there in the end, but just stumbled on my final words. Until next week, guys and girls, take care of yourself and goodbye. <laughs> Radio Network, bracknellbees.com.